People's Poetry Podcast with me, Jimmy Bowman. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode three of series five of People's Poetry Podcast. This is the poetry podcast that follows me, Jimmy Bowman, an aspiring poet and teacher alike, as I travel the UK talking to established poets, as well as poets who have just taken their first steps into the world of poetry, as I try to find out why it is we have just such a love affair with poetry in this country. This is a podcast aimed not just at those who already like poetry, but those who never really considered it before. I want to show you that there's something in the world of poetry written for you. Now, I think you can hear as I'm chatting to this episode's featured poet just how bloody excited I am. This episode's featured poet is the amazingly talented Ollie O'Neill. I've wanted to sit down and chat with Ollie about poetry for some time, so it was great to finally do so, and what a glorious day we picked to do it. Really interesting chat. We talk about Ollie's forthcoming debut full collection, What We Are Given, which is coming out on Right Bloody UK. We spoke about her 2019 debut pamphlet on outspoken ways of coping, and we talk about the unique themes in that pamphlet, including borderline personality disorder, misogyny, homophobia, romantic love, and Ollie's imagery, which is out of this world. Have a listen. This episode's featured poet is Ollie O'Neill, and I'm very, very, very excited to have you on. Thank you for, for joining me. That's all right. Thank you for having me. It's got to be one of the weirdest or oddest locations I've done it in. We're sitting on a... <laughs> uh, upturned tree in the middle of uh, Clapham because nice and our seats were nicked but <laughs> no I'm very excited as I said um, I've wanted to get you on for a while but you beat me to it or, or right bloody beat me to it in emailing me so great to have you on we will talk about your collection what we are given forthcoming mm-hmm. so that's your I'm right in saying it's your first full poetry collection yeah so I had the pamphlet without spoken in 2019 and then this is my yeah my first full collection exciting times we'll, yes. we'll get on to that but as listeners know, I'd like to sort of ask you about your poetic journey, as it were. So mm-hmm. can you remember or pinpoint, not when you began to start writing, but the first time you were sort of aware of poetry? Um, in terms of like being aware of poetry as, as something that I could do, not, not in terms of like a talent, but as something that like I literally was able to, to go and write, um, was probably when... I met Joelle Taylor. Um, she came into my sixth form and did an assembly. Um, she did her poems, and I was like, "Oh, like people actually do this. Mm. Like you don't just have to sit at home and just write them by yourself." Yeah. Um, so I kind of went up to her afterwards and, and chatted to her and said, "Oh, you know, I want to do what you're doing," and and um, she invited me to a workshop. So I was going to uh, bring up Joelle later <laughs> because, because I know. Uh, was she like your official mentor, mentor in the end? Yeah, I don't. Like, I don't think we ever. I don't think I ever said to her like, "Can you be my mentor?" Or yeah. she ever said to me, "Look, I'll be your mentor." But that is very much the role that she played and and continues to play in in my career. So I'm very grateful. She she is awesome. I've actually seen that assembly because uh-huh. in my um, training year as a teacher, <laughs> I got sent to a uh, all girl school for. Yeah. Um, a week, uh, six weeks, a week, that would be short. Um, <laughs> yeah, and they got, they got Joelle in and I, I'd never read any of her stuff or, or heard of her before. And mm-hmm. even I was sort of at the back, like, wow. Yeah. Um, I mean, one day, hopefully, I'll get to chat to her like this. But uh, yeah, but yeah so it's, it's a great assembly. Um, so what triggered, I mean, you sort of answered it, the, triggered the sort of uh, transition to actually penning your own poetry. So it, it was from that moment. So I'd, I'd always written it. Like uh, I was writing, you know, 
objectively dreadful poems from when I was like 15, 16, um, and to be fair, till I was like 18, 19. But um, <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really engage with it. I failed English literature at school. Mm. Um, it was like I kind of had this idea in my head that like there was poetry that other people did and, and was correct and was right and then there was kind of like my hobby if you will on the side yeah um so I think yeah seeing Joelle read for the first time kind of bridged that gap for me I was going to ask you about your experience at school because you know when I got a guest on I do a bit of digging about on the internet and I, I see I mean I think it's <laughs> quite an old poem uh to the English teacher yeah uh, now, I know I'm an English teacher, but I hated <laughs> a lot of my teachers at school as well. Yeah. What was your school experience like then? Um, yeah, it was difficult. I I didn't have a great time. I didn't enjoy school. Um, after my GCSEs, uh, of which I failed almost all of them, they were like, please don't come back. Mm. So, um, so luckily, my non-horrific English teacher wrote me a reference pretending to be my head of year. Um, and I got into a sixth form somewhere else, but I was, you know, promptly kicked out of there as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it wasn't it wasn't smooth sailing. Yeah, but now look, you just you know flipping off the English teacher. Yeah, exactly. You know, you want to be a good poet, just drop out of school. It's the way to go. So, school we established, you know, weren't living your best life. Um, <laughs> no. But here we are, twenty twenty. You've got your debut full collection coming out. You've already had uh, a pamphlet, a bloody good pamphlet as well. Thank you. Um, Talk me on that journey, sort of, you know, how, how did you arrive at getting published on Outspoken? Mm-hmm. Um, ways of coping, you know, it's quite a unique collection of poems <laughs> as well. Um, so, I mean, talk, talk to me about how you put together that, that collection. How long did it take? What, what sort of process was it? Um, so, I didn't really have any idea about, you know, even after I started performing and after I was writing... I guess like properly I didn't really know anything about publishing or or what that would look like or how I would do it Um, and then in 2017 I got a place on um, Apples and Snakes Writers Room Mm -hmm. and the tutor at the time was Roger Robinson Um, and that like changed my the way I look at writing the way I write and the whole process Um, and I met I hadn't been I hadn't been doing gigs for for a few years I've kind of been like this isn't something that's going to happen for me um and then I I saw Joelle after the showcase for the writer's room and she was like I've seen the stuff that you're kind of like posting online um and we'd really like to to think about publishing you like could you send us some some of the poems um but what I sent and what was published of two like completely like the, the the journey between what I thought I was going to write and what I wrote is, mm. yeah, it's long. <laughs> what, what, what sort of, what were you writing then? I was writing very like romantic, gushy poems, poems about like women, mm. which is fine. And that's something that I still do. Yeah. Um, but Anthony and Axel Guru was kind of like, this, this isn't really going to like cut it. Like, I don't think there's really like a market out there for that. Um, so I worked with Joelle on something else that I could write about, and that's how we kind of came to to um, ways of coping. Yeah, slam as well is um, sometimes quite a controversial thing in the world of poetry. But mm-hmm. I think from like, looking an outsider looking at your career, slam's been kind of quite good to you, hasn't it? I mean, yeah. um, the slam ambassadors thing. Um, how much do you think actually getting up there and sort of performing impacted eventually the road to being published? 
if I hadn't if I hadn't have done that, if I hadn't have entered Slam Ambassadors um, and, and won, I don't think I would be published. I wouldn't. Mm. I probably wouldn't still be writing like that experience and that journey really like solidified that this was something that I could do. Like it was very. It made it very accessible. So, do you think it helped helped you find like your sort of poetic voice as well in a way? Definitely. I mean, my obviously, you know, I was like 18 when I won. Um, so a lot has changed since then, but it gave me a lot of confidence that I didn't I didn't have before. Like I'm a very anxious, shy person, and if you told me before I entered that, like, oh, you know, you're gonna you're gonna stand up and you're gonna read poetry to strangers on a regular basis, I would have been like, yeah, all right then. <laughs> but um, turns out I enjoyed it, so. I, I think as well, I don't know if anyone's ever said to you before, but I think you've got quite a unique sort of way of delivering poems. Is that is that something that, because it is mesmerising when you do a poem. Like some, <laughs> some poets up there are a bit silly and, and that's good as well. Uh, but I think, I don't know, I don't want to say serious, but but you, you sort of hang off every word when you're on stage. Like the videos I'm watching, I'm going, wow, what's, what's the next word? What's the next word? Like, like I'm, 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 like, I'm, it sounds like I'm taking the mic, but I'm not. Like that, that sort of style that you've got, mm-hmm. Was that something that developed over time as well? Yeah, someone told me recently after a gig, they were like, your poetry sounds like ASMR. And I was like... <laughs> wow. I was like, oh, wow, OK. <laughs> and I wasn't really sure how to take that. Um, but I think a lot of people... I think it's a cliche that you kind of start out in slam or spoken words or whatever, and a lot of people have that kind of that cadence, that like mm. very standard, uniform way of reading their poems. Um but I don't think even when I was doing more slam stuff, I don't ever really think I thought of what I was doing as like performance. Yeah. It was more like, okay, well, I'm here to read my poem and, and that's what I'm going to do. Like, I'm not performing it. This isn't like it's a reading for me. So, yeah, no, but like I said, I mean, I don't know about ASMR, but, <laughs> but, but I really enjoy your, your style. So 2019 Ways of Coping uh, debut sort of pamphlet, as you said, on Outspoken. That's when I first became aware of you. Mm-hmm. Um, for anyone that hasn't read it, I've already said it's kind of a, a unique, to, to, for want of a better word, collection. <laughs> but could you talk us through what that sort of pamphlet explores? Sure. Um, so Ways of Coping, I wrote about um, borderline personality disorder um, so I was diagnosed in kind of end of seven, 2017 um, and it kind of, you know, it's obviously it's a pamphlet so it's quite short but it, the way that I envisioned it and the way I hope it translates is it kind of follows me on that that journey, that kind of understanding the, the kind of gravitas of, of what that meant yeah. and also the, the kind of, the, the, the way that psychiatry and misogyny relate to one another. Um, but yeah, it follows, like I went to group therapy. Um, so a lot of my kind of inspiration and, and ideas came from literally like sitting in that in that setting and, and meeting other people. As you know, someone, I'm aware of misogyny um, is disgusting. <laughs> I'm aware of psychology and they really <laughs> had to deal with it, but I never uh-huh. sort of made that link before until I read that. Mm-hmm. and borderline personality disorder i mean you, you say uh, in that collection 75 percent of people diagnosed are women mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean that is news news to someone like me but i think i was interested in it i don't know if people have said this before but bipolar it's not the same but there's there's similar traits yeah uh, and i used to live 
uh, with someone with, with bipolar. So I think that's what got me interested. But yeah, I didn't I, I didn't realise there was something. I mean, it's it's quite different actually, isn't it? So there's I think the the kind of the one big like joint space on the Venn diagram would be the the rapid mood mm. um, cycles. But whereas bipolar is kind of the the extremes are more sustained borderline personality disorder is more on like a very rapid like day-to-day basis but I didn't know myself like being diagnosed that 75% of of people with it are women I didn't really know anything about it and it was writing the book that brought me to a lot of that that knowledge like I don't think I kind of wrote the book because I knew all of this already it was kind of like a a joint journey as we said already, it's about the, the, the thing that struck me is the epigraphs at the, the top of the poem, all, mm-hmm. all things you've taken from, they're quotations from various sources and you list them as well, but uh-huh. a lot of them created by men. And when you pair that up with a statistic that 75% of people diagnosed are women, mm-hmm. that just makes no sense. Yeah. For, so You know, because it is quite misogynistic, a lot of the things that you've picked in the quotes and mm-hmm. you just think, wow, like you're supposed to be health professionals. It was it was quite shocking to me to to discover how much of the internet was dedicated to discussing women with borderline personality disorder by men. Yeah. Um, and how actually lots of these men who, who don't have borderline personality disorder but had an awareness of it and and almost like a tactics to seek women out who had it and and that they knew all of this. But when I was diagnosed, I didn't have any any knowledge at all and that really like struck me that Mm. there would be men out there who were looking to take advantage who had a greater understanding at one point of my diagnosis than I did I can't remember which poem it is in in there now but one of the epigraphs is literally what you just said like Mm -hmm. it's almost like they've got a checklist for what what they're looking for yeah so shocking yeah as as, (laughs) you know it makes me annoyed to be male in a way I'm like oh come on like Uh it is is disgusting um but I was totally blown away with sort of your your striking imagery. Your imagery is so, like, you know when you read a poem and you think, that's it, I'm (laughs) going to give up now. (laughs) Like, some some of your imagery imagery is so so good, so striking. Thank you. Um, Your word pairing is another level as well. Thank you. Um, So it's intense, it's it's pure, but it's intimate as well. That's the Mm -hmm. way I describe uh, that, that collection because... It is intimate, the things you're talking yeah. about. It is shocking. <laughs> um, but some of the imagery you use is, is kind of beautiful at times mm-hmm. to describe what is uh, a quite a sinister mm-hmm. uh, topic. Yeah, I think that was something... So I think part of the diagnostic criteria for borderline personality disorder is um, is that chronic, unstable sense of self. Um and you know it's clear in the in the di- in the pamphlet that I don't necessarily agree with the diagnosis, but I think what it allowed me to do when someone tells you that like pathologically you don't know who you are, you have to interrogate yourself in ways that most people will never have to do. Most people don't really ever think twice about who they are mm. and what that means. Um, and I think it allowed me, even though it was a uh, lots of you know dreadful things happen and and it wasn't necessarily an enjoyable experience i did discover lots of of beautiful things about me and about the way that i view the world as a result of yeah. of my diagnosis so i think that's a good way to describe it actually I, you, I, so a lot of the poems it is like you're interrogating yourself i uh-huh. never really thought of that before but three poems that i sort of wanted you to talk a little bit about if you uh-huh. didn't mind 
um, Venus forward, uh, <laughs> and the one for me, birth. But when I read birth, I was just jaw on the floor, like the imagery with the phoenix and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So good. Like, so Venus, um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. I was kicked out in the end um, of the group therapy because I started a relationship with one of the people in it, um, which are obviously not, you know, they do tell you not to do that. Yeah. Um, which was, I think at the time I was really caught up in this like very, to me it was like, oh, this is so chaotic and it's, it's, it's crazy and it's, you know, it's, it's romantic. Um, but I think what I wanted to do in the poem was really distill just how unromantic and unsavory that was. Like it, it wasn't enjoyable. It was going to see the crisis house together in it and it was, you know, going to A&E and, and, and experiencing those kind of things together. But I wanted to kind of describe those experiences, but using kind of poetry to to show the kind of romantic lens that I'd mm. put on it at the time. I mean, describe it at one point, almost like a, a couple just looking around the house, <laughs> you know, for the estate agent. Uh -huh. Yeah, no, it, it was great. Um, yeah, for, forward and birth for the other two. Um, Birth was the first poem I ever wrote for the collection and it was before I knew um, that I knew where the direction of the book was going or, or what it was going to look like and it was because I read um, Sharon Old's Odes because um, originally it was called um, Ode to, to Borderline Personality Disorder right. um, and I think that, yeah, that poem for me was the beginning of understanding, okay, well this is how I'm going to this is how it's going to look like this. We're literally going to start with the diagnosis mm. and then throughout the book kind of go on that journey through poetry um, to the end. So that was, yeah, that poem, like writing that I think was definitely like a, a breakthrough in terms of, of understanding where I was going and what I could do with, with what happened. It's just, honestly, reading that, I mean, how anyone can turn what, what, what is going to be a challenging diagnosis for anyone in their life to do with into something as, as beautiful as that poem. I was just like, oh, I'm giving up now. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I loved it. I loved it. Uh, and Forward, yeah, that was the last one I was going to ask you I'm about. I'm trying to remember what Forward, I should have brought the book with me. I've got the book. Yes, there we go. I spill my coffee everywhere, but <laughs> I, am, I am prepared. Yeah, I've given Thank it. you. Oh, this is really interesting because this is probably my least favourite poem in the book. Really? Yeah, I don't, I rarely ever read it at, um, at gigs. How like, come? I don't, I don't really know. I think it's very, like, it's very lyrical. Like, it's very, a lot of it is, or at least like I thought at the time of writing it was quite abstract. Like, there's a lot of kind of imagery and not a lot of literalness, which is, tends to be the opposite way around in my poems normally mm. um and and i think yeah i think a lot of it is quite visceral the imagery um and i i mean a lot of the imagery in the book is quite visceral but for me it was like it felt a little bit too intimate reading it too right. but i mean yeah it's it's weird I, l I literally don't ever read it i don't i don't look at it so it's, it's always interesting to like hear from other people yeah how they interpret the poems and which ones they enjoyed because I literally like I yeah I don't think I've ever read it I, I suppose it shows uh, like, like you 
growing as a, a poet as well you know yeah, to definitely. look back on work and go actually that's my least favorite one mm-hmm. um yeah that's quite quite interesting <laughs> but i enjoyed it anyway thank you <laughs> um let's talk about your full collection then uh yes forthcoming on um right bloody uk it's called what we are given mm-hmm. i pre-ordered it as soon as it dropped thank you so i'm looking forward to reading it <laughs> let's talk about the, the publisher briefly so you mm-hmm. you're their first poet uh, I am. being published on right bloody how did that come about um, so I read as like an opening act for Olivia Gatwood um, as part of like Penguins. Um, yes. Yeah. I was supposed. To, she was supposed to come on Olivia Gatwood. I had it all set up. Oh really? And I was supposed to go to the. It was Brixton. You were supporting. I was in Dalston. Was Dalston. Yeah, but she did like a number like across the UK. Yeah. yeah. But um, something with her flight, and then she couldn't make it. Uh-huh. And I was like, wow. Oh, that's but yeah, that's. I was going to ask you about that. That's pretty cool to, yeah. to open for Olivia Gatwood. Um, I mean, I love her poetry. Um, so. I think Fern saw me there um, and then contacted me sometime afterwards after she'd kind of established Right Bloody UK and was like, I'd really like you to, to kind of be the first the first poet. And it went from there. And now we've got a collection forthcoming. So when yeah. it, I can't remember the release date. When does it actually... It is September 30th. September 30th, yes. that's right, very soon. <laughs> yeah. Anyone that hasn't... I don't know where they've been under a rock or something, but not, <laughs> not heard that it's coming out. Um, could you sort of describe, uh, you know, a verbal blurb, as it were, mm-hmm. what it is? Because I know, you, I think on the website, it says sort of it explores emotional inheritance, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So I guess it's, it's looking at who we are and, and kind of how we become them. So literally like what we are given in terms of not just genetically, but, but from our relationships and our experiences. And then from that, what we can take and what we can kind of leave behind. Yeah. So it explores my relationships like in a in a familial sense and also in in a romantic sense but also just people that I know and the experiences that I've had. So it looks at lineage uh like horizontally as well as vertically if you will. It's a really interesting idea. Um never really thought of that before because I suppose your parents you kind of think you're always going to be a bit like them in in mm-hmm. some way but most of the time you're not and then yeah. sometimes you realize you get a bit older and all of a sudden you're acting like your dad did years ago or uh-huh. something yes yeah, it's going to be interesting i know you've sort of pre-released uh, a couple of poems like via instagram on the website so yes. um they're the only ones i could talk to you about because i've read them <laughs> <laughs> uh, the old dyke takes me to my first gay bar yes uh somewhere all the goals uh gods sorry goals look at my terrible handwriting <laughs> somewhere all the gods are laughing at us uh i'm almost there I absolutely loved I'm Almost There, actually. Um, mm-hmm. Like, uh, just the whole concept behind that poem. And, and it's, you know, it's kind of a romantic love poem, I mm-hmm. guess, as well, isn't it? Yeah. So I guess I was I wrote that looking at kind of, I think I went to, you know, I was seeing this woman and I, and I was at her house and I saw this photo of her when she was, when she was a toddler. And it, it really, like, fascinated me how people have these whole lives before we know them mm. and and they've become who they are through some experience or another um and and we grew up like around the corner from each other but we never met um and that really like that really fascinated me the kind of the lives that we'd lived before we met each other and what it would have looked like and how we would have interacted with one another if we'd met at a different time trying to you know you never really know someone 
you don't know who someone was before before yeah. you met them. Um, but it's endlessly fascinating to but think about. I almost got uh, the feeling reading that poem that you, you were so mesmerised by, by you know this person uh. that you imagined almost what it would have been like if you were together romantically back then as well. Yeah. Because, because yeah. Then at the end, it's like, you know, wait for me. And then you say like that she did. Yeah, I think, again, that comes from this, like, because the only framework of, of knowing each other that we had was, was in a romantic sense. So I couldn't imagine going back to any point in time and knowing anything mm. anything different because we'd never known each other outside of that capacity. It was, it was such a nice concept because <laughs> the minute I read it, I, I thought back to... You know, all, all those all those teenage relationships that you scrunch your face up at, where, <laughs> where you, you were so obsessed with that person. You thought, oh, I wish I'd been going out with you forever. Yeah, um, I feel like I've known you since you were yeah, a baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, it, ca- it captured that, that emotion perfectly, I thought. Uh-huh. There's a, a video as well. Uh, uh, is it part of the collection? I think it is. It um, is. This is our dynamic. Yes. That is so good. Thank you. So good. Um, <laughs> um, because it's kind of, again, about romantic love, but what what... I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but uh-huh. what I sort of took it from it as well is that you, you've got uh, the sort of misogynistic and, and homophobia sort of behaviour that still exists referenced in it. Yeah. But you almost bat it off like yeah. a like a wasp. And yeah. I love that. So I don't think I've never been with a woman and not had every time I leave the house, somebody say something to us. Um, and a lot of the times it's not. I don't think people would even perceive it as as homophobia because it's often like sexually coded like it's mm. it's like leery and I don't think people necessarily join the dots between that's still homophobia it's still yeah. that's why they're doing that um but I've always been super mouthy like I don't know how to shut up so when someone says something and it's and it's men I'm always like absolutely not and I think it's that when you're with someone that you love you do kind of feel that like invincibility mm. like oh i can definitely like you you don't know what you're doing i yeah. can definitely fight this off when in reality you know you're i'm but like five for three it was you know a, as nice human beings i would hope feel the same way i felt when when i read that because you're sort of angry but then mm-hmm. then you're swept back into this sort of love story a part uh. of the poem as well and, and i thought that the line at the end about sort of the, your relationship being on that knife edge mm-hmm. you know that you know one minute you're stable and the next minute you've got some dickhead yeah i wanted know. to like in the poem kind of mirror that feeling of like you know i would i will go out with someone that i'm seeing and it's you know you're in your own little bubble and then that opens up because someone says something and then how quickly you can just yeah close that back in and 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 ignore it and just push it away so. it's, it's uh kind of similar themes i can't remember the name of it uh the one I think you put it on your Instagram mm-hmm. uh, where I think you're in a, a supermarket yes and you've got someone just a, a woman staring at you it's yeah kind of I mean that's sort of a similar theme I guess yeah um, I, I like kind of almost looking at moments under a microscope and then coming away from them mm. temporarily within the poem and then going back into them but it's similar I suppose to ways of coping turning something almost sinister in certain circumstances mm-hmm. and negative but but making something beautiful out of it through through poetry kudos to you because <laughs> i mean i would struggle to do that <laughs> all my poetry is about you know working class people being trodden on them. good That's yeah, it. we yeah. need it so but it's not as pretty as yours i need to, <laughs> I need to get better <laughs> um 
I read as well. So you, you said, obviously, a, f- a full collection mm-hmm. poems need names. Oh. But, but yeah, th- I, I read <laughs> that I re- you had you put something up that, that you really struggled to name name poems. So how was that? I mean, a full collection, that's quite a few poems. It, it was a, it's, it's like 50 poems, I think. Wow. And my process with Outspoken, with Ways of Coping, I sat down with Anthony because he was my editor and he kind of helped me name them and it's very like the names of the poems in ways of coping and the names of the poems in what we're given are so different i think ways of coping they're all one word and then you know like forward and birth and then in what we are given we've got like i think one of them's called like oh when you get this call me please (laughs) um that's a great name (laughs) thank you (laughs) and i just yeah i've never i've never i've never enjoyed titling poems because I feel almost like an obligation to give an indication as to what goes on here and what it's about and I really had to work on on letting that go like the title doesn't need to do that job because they're going to read the poem anyway so um, it just became about what I sensed from the poem and then and then a lot of them the first line of the poem is the title because that's an easy thing to do. Yeah, that's a good piece of advice though, <laughs> about about you know titling a poem. Like mm. They're going to read it anyway. Yeah, I think for like the first couple I started writing, I struggled, mm-hmm. and then I don't know something just clicked. Like I, I wrote a poem the other day based on I went. Well, this is pre-lockdown, so I, I used to swim every morning, uh-huh. and I could overhear these old boys just having the same conversation every morning and mm-hmm. he was like I'm a bit of a history buff you know <laughs> and he'd be talking about the second world war but he wasn't old enough to be in the war yeah so I just did this silly little poem about comparing my granddad who, who passed away and was in the war to this guy mm-hmm. wi- rubbing himself down with his imperial leather soap like um thinking he's very knowledgeable and I just ended up calling it the leisure center showers and it's got nothing to do with that but I thought well, actually they're going to read the poem and they'll know and that that's, all, yeah. that's where it is so that's a good good piece of advice <laughs> how long did it I'm waffling, aren't I? No. <laughs> How long did it take to put together this collection compared to Ways of Coping? Because did you feel like you were a bit more clued up in the, you know, the publishing process? And I feel like after Ways of Coping, like I really found my own like poetic voice, um, and I mean, like pretty much, like I didn't. There wasn't a break. Like I didn't finish Ways of Coping and then be like, cool, well, I'm just not going to write anything. So I had a lot of poems already there Mm. um in some form or another and it became a process of like looking at what i already had and what i knew that i could write about and what i like to write about and then kind of having the the outline if you will like the little bits and pieces and then just filling in the gaps so it actually sounds like naming them was harder than putting them together perhaps. yeah i love that my favorite bit is like when i finished them i got to like lay them all out and kind of map that narrative across the page which some people find really hard i really enjoyed that and then naming them i was like oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is the worst bit well i promise you if you're listening and you've never read ollie's stuff pre-order it because i'm insanely jealous <laughs> of this poet's uh you know ability to conjure up these images <laughs> thank so, you um, get on that uh, Right Bloody UK website. Wanted to talk to you a little bit about your writing process. Yes. As I said to you before recording, partly because I'm selfish and I'm going to try and steal something. But, <laughs> but I, th- I think it is interesting uh, talking about, you know, how different poets work slightly differently. Mm-hmm. In terms of generating ideas, I mean, I think I know what you're going to say to this. Are you more sort of a reactionary person who, who bases ideas on things that have happened or... Mm-hmm. 
do you just start writing and see where it where it goes like how do you generate an idea initially for a poem I think almost all of my ideas are and it took me like a long time to realize this because I started writing quite young almost all of like I would say like my best poems have come because I've read another poem by someone else and mm. been like oh like something's clicked in my brain even if it's not related to what I'm about to write about something that they've done like linguistically or or um, in terms of like form has has like sparked the the like writing bit of my brain um, but I never ever that as a teenager you know I was like 17 I was writing my poems and I never read any I was like I don't I don't write I don't read poems I just write them and then you look <laughs> at what you were writing and you're like that is horrific <laughs> like that is so bad have you still got like some stuff that you wrote from? um probably somewhere yeah. but it is like genuinely i look at it and i'm like oh my god i used to allow people to read that i would actively encourage them to do that <laughs> <laughs> um so my my writing process always 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 starts with yeah with reading that is a good a good tip someone today actually i got some uh critical feedback on on three poems and uh-huh. uh part of it they said that, and they, uh, I don't know if it's something you've heard before, they said, uh, for every poem you write, you should have read 20 as a rule of thumb. I mean, I don't know if that's something yeah, I, I think, will do, but... I think, yeah, I think I think putting a number on it is, is a little bit unnecessary, but definitely, I, <laughs> I definitely, like, if I can't write or if I'm stuck on an edit or I will just, I, I will put my my proverbial pen I'm writing on a laptop but I'll put it down and I'll just for the rest of the day like I'm just gonna I'm gonna leave it and I'm just gonna read yeah yeah reading is key what about um in terms of when you've got that idea then do you are you a poet that sort of sets aside I don't know 10 minutes in the morning just mm-hmm. to write whatever or do you find sort of bursts is, is, is what you work with I feel like the answer should be that I like set aside time. Yeah. Like I hear a lot of, of writers be like, you know, I write for X amount of hours a day. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, you know, I work nine to five Monday to Friday, so I can't really be doing that. But um, yeah, I think for me it is, it is very much like sometimes an image will come to me or I'll read something that inspires me and I'll just, in that moment, I'll just have to sit down and write it. But, um, but I do, if I know I haven't written something in a while, I will make that time to sit down and just sort of force myself to do something so in terms of, so you've got the idea and, and you've got the time to write it uh-huh. um, what is there sort of a method or something that you, you, you go through I don't know how do you approach actually getting something onto paper what's what sort of the first couple of things you do I think a lot of my writing starts with like a like an image rather than like an idea like I have an image in my head and I'll, I'll just write that out and then I'll write around it I try not to immediately start writing a poem i'm not going to sit down and be like right we're gonna this is going to be a poem and i'm going to have the line breaks and i'm going to do whatever i will just write around the image and then i can look at what i have mm. and then i can start building from that an actual poem or something you know worth reading it's a nice idea actually right <laughs> writing about the image that sounded sarcastic but <laughs> <laughs> i was being deadly seri- <laughs> serious because sometimes yeah i just kids at school or myself you just steam into you know you've got four lines you think that's rubbish why is that rubbish <laughs> yeah. But yeah I suppose if you write about the image and around the image uh-huh. you, you could almost maybe pick bits out of that like, that could end up in the poem yeah well. and I think that's something I learned in in like workshop activities is that you never you never start you don't go to poetry workshop and start writing a poem mm. like the 
the poem is always the final thing that you're doing because before that you're you're doing exercises you're free writing you're you know I think it's a lot of pressure to put on yourself to sit down and be like oh yeah I'm gonna it's gonna be a poem I'm yeah. gonna write a poem right now the bit personally I struggle with the most and I think a lot of people do that listen and that they have sort of sent emails in and stuff before mm. is sort of the editing side of things what once you've got this idea and it's formulated it's on paper mm -hmm. uh, maybe you've put it away for a couple of months and you've come back to it what would be the first thing you do in terms of your editing process to the poem um oh that's a really interesting question i used to i used to hate editing i used to and i think it's yeah it's like a young narcissism i'll just write a poem but that's banging i'm just gonna leave yeah. it like that's Job fine done. don't <laughs> need to touch that anymore um for me it's looking at like understanding what it is that the poem is trying to say mm -hmm. and then looking at how much am I what can I if I strip everything away like what's the bare minimum I can leave that gets that that message yeah. across and that's not to say like I'll just leave it like that I won't just strip away all the extras and be like okay well that's done but I want to I want to have like the skeleton of the poem and then be able to think okay well these are the extra bits that I like and that I think add to it and this is this is what I can kind of yeah, can get rid of. You could slowly perhaps put them back in. Yeah. yeah, that's a really nice way of doing it. In terms of getting published, uh -huh. so you, you've got these poems, how hard, I mean, was it was it quite a hard process initially trying to, trying to get published? Um, I think I was quite lucky in that both times I was asked yeah. to submit. Um, but I think it, I mean, I, I, you know, I talk to people who are, trying to be published and I think it is quite difficult a lot of I guess like mainstream presses don't take unsolicited submissions um, but there are obviously indie presses that you can you can send stuff to um, and I think the, the biggest barriers that it, like it's, it's time and it's money mm. like it it's not cheap to be able to sit down and, and be like okay well I'm gonna dedicate my time to to writing yeah. poetry like people have jobs and, and lives to lead definitely yeah. I think as well I mean it's testament to, to you and how you've done it because if you hadn't have got up on stage and, and been doing it that way then uh -huh. perhaps you wouldn't have been approached with the so that, I mean certainly in your case would you say performing and actually getting out there mm -hmm. ha has been a big part of your publishing journey oh d like definitely I don't think I'd, I'd, I wouldn't have anything published if I hadn't done that and I think we're and it's only quite recently that I've noticed this, this this weird like forced dichotomy between performance poetry and and written poetry and how like page poetry is 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 better or it's more established or it's and I, I don't I don't agree with that. No. Um, and I think I, I, I see it a lot like people are the more that that dichotomy is like reinforced, the more you kind of get people writing in these like very deliberately abstract and, and inaccessible ways because they they think it like reinforces this idea that that theirs is is more superior but i think reading poetry performing poetry yeah it was it was instrumental to to me writing poetry yeah so. no, i agree i think if a good poem works on the page it works it works on stage anyway yeah yeah i've, I've asked this question i always ask this question <laughs> because everyone says something different but uh -huh. I, i've decided this series i'm going to rephrase it okay so that what i usually ask is how do you know when the poem's finished okay and everyone has the same answer well you don't yeah so i'm rephrasing it this series to how do you know when to walk away from a poem and to leave a poem 
Um, again, like I think this is something that I, I struggled with massively and to an extent I think most people struggle with where they feel obligated to take the reader on a journey and and to almost make sure that the reader knows where they're going. Like they, they almost wanna, they want it to be quite, or at least when I started writing, I wanted it to be, we're gonna start here, I'm gonna take you here. And I also want you to read the poem and finish it and be like, oh, I was right. I knew that was where we were gonna, we were gonna end up and that, because that's a satisfying feeling to read a yeah. poem and think, oh, okay. Um, so I had to really work on not trying to like lace everything up at the end and, and, and tie everything together. Um, so often, often I will revisit a poem and I'll be like, I think what I'm doing here in the last line, the last two lines is, is handholding and it's, and it's, it's not there for poetry's sake, it's there because I want people to feel like they've accomplished something, they were right and this is where it's gonna end. Um, so it was just about becoming comfortable with, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be clear cut and concrete and finished, like it's all right for it to be ambiguous or uh, abrupt. Yeah. yeah. That's a great answer. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so, I mean, you've heard a couple of uh, episodes before. The, uh-huh. the question I always end with, uh, the sort of the, the reason I started really the podcast is, is why poetry? You know, when I started the podcast, as I've said a few times, there was this big uh, surge in young people in, in 2019, 2020 buying poetry. Yeah. And it sort of, I mean, it was great, but it baffled me a little bit because I thought, you know, in the age of Tinder and all this, you know, rubbish. Like uh-huh. Why are people still reading poetry? Uh-huh. Why do you think people turn to poetry still? Um, I think for me, like what poetry has allowed me to do is, and I think it ties up into my like last point, is it's allowed me to process things and understand things and explore things in a way that isn't necessarily neat and it doesn't it doesn't always kind of make you feel better or kind of bring you like a satisfaction but the process of of understanding it and reading it is enjoyable and it's and it's joyful yeah um and i think yeah that's something that like it has allowed me to navigate so much of myself and i read other people's poetry and i can see them navigating so much of themselves and it's 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 in like a it's a pleasure to be intimate with someone in that kind of capacity i think yeah i think you've, think you've got something there <laughs> maybe <laughs> <laughs> uh thank you so much for for sitting and chatting to me it's been quite nice actually sitting on the it tree. has yeah it's lovely um genuinely super excited to, to chat to you so thank you for thank taking you the so time much. out uh what we're given is going to be amazing i can guarantee <laughs> it if it's not i will give you your money back make sure you go to right bloody uk uh where else can they find your work and um, social media and that amazon um, I think there are still some copies with 10% off um, and keep an eye out for the launch which I think is going to be like a week before two weeks before so sometime in September So. and where can people get you on uh, social media and stuff uh, Twitter is um, OllieCMO'Neill and Instagram is just Ollie O'Neill you heard it here make sure you go and order it <laughs> done in imagery thank you very much Ollie <laughs> no thank you Our recital this episode comes, of course, from Ollie, and this is her poem, Painting the Day by Numbers. I eat the acrylics, making my tongue alizir and crimson instead of just red, like a tiny celebration in my mouth, and continue my day cutting the poem into couplets and checking my spam folder that is full of beautiful women who want me to show them my cock.
someone I knew as a baby, but not for much longer, posts on Facebook that in Queens, New York, they are currently keeping a refrigerated van outside Elmhurst Hospital for the dead. Which leads me to wonder where you are right now. If you're cold. Whether your skin is a different shade than I knew it. Maybe thalassine blue or Payne's grey. I hope afterwards we still recognise each other. Or maybe wear name tags so I can find you easily. Our embrace, soft as it's ever been. Your face so nearly unchanged. And when I am done with this train of thought, I go back to the house, asking all its chores of me. Pour the water from the vase because the flowers have already died, which would be fine, but I only bought them yesterday. And that just doesn't seem fair. A huge thanks to Ollie for taking the time out to chat to me. Cannot wait to read what we are given. Forthcoming collection coming on Right Bloody UK. Check it. A massive thank you as always to you at home for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, please do share it with a friend. You can find us on Instagram at People's Poetry Podcast, over on Twitter at People underscore Poetry. You can find us on Facebook, People's Poetry Podcast. I'm on Twitter, JBO, that's JBO Pens Poems. And you can email us if you want to get involved with the show, if you're a poet yourself and you'd like to sit down and chat, or social media just don't cut the mustard and you want to get in touch, it's peoplespoetrypodcast at hotmail.com. Mm-hmm.